going to try a little bit, as much as we can, to speak tiny, tiny words, just a little bit in preparation for the days of Purim. Purim is not just a young to the day holiday. Purim means like a Shabbos clock. I don't know, you know what a Shabbos clock is, I assume, right? You set it, goes around and around, and when it hits one of those little ticks, one of those little things that you stick inside, the lights go on, right? The air conditioner goes on, whatever it is that you set it to. That's what the Chagim are. The Jewish year is, a, is a, like a Shabbos clock, and, and it goes around and around and around, and there are certain days that have little tiny plastic pieces, and when it hits that, the lights go on every single year. It's not a commemoration. It's by Yom Emahim, Azman Hazeh. It's a re-experiencing. It's opening ourselves up to the very, very same spiritual lights, opening ourselves up to that experience. And the very same energies that brought that miracle into being on that original day of Purim are triggered once more, shining once more every single year. But we have to prepare ourselves to hold that. We have to prepare our hearts, our minds, to be able to absorb that light, to be able to experience that miracle in our, in our own lives. The Pasuk says, Vayas ha-melech kedvar memuchan. Who's memuchan? Memuchan is Haman, Chazal say. It was Haman who gave the advice to do away with Vashti, making place for Esther. Of course, HaKadosh Baruch who's running the show from the very, very beginning. His name is not mentioned in the Megillah because it need not be. Every word in the Megillah is Hashem's name. That's the secret of Purim. It's the deepest, deepest, deepest nays. Nays besoich teva. Chanukah is a nays above nature. But this that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is running everything, all the time. That's the light of what Arizal describes as the Yom Shekulo Purim. All of us are familiar with the Yom Shekulo Shabbos. That happens after our experience of this worldliness. After that is the Yom Shekulo Yamtiv. And Arizal says, after Yom Shekulo Yamtiv comes the Yom Shekulo Purim, and that lasts forever. Purim is an encapsulation of eternity in time. Tzadikim say that although on a simple level it means that the king Achashverosh did in accordance with Haman's advice, the Tzadikim say that the word memuchan can be seen as an allusion to one who prepares, like the word hachana. Memuchan can refer to the person who puts in the adequate effort to prepare him or herself. And Hamelech, of course, is always a reference to HaKadosh Baruch on a deeper level. And so the Pasuk can actually be telling us, Vayas HaMelech, HaKadosh Baruch Hu does and gifts us with this energy and this miracle of Purim, Kedvar Memuchan, in accordance with how much you prepare for it. The Pasuk says, in Tehillim, Dabr HaMelech says, Nichsifa v'gam kolsa nafshi. 
L'chatzres Hashem. On a literal level it means, Nichsifah means to yearn. Begam kol sanafshi. And my soul is filled with longing, L'chatzres Hashem, for that place. The place of the Beis HaMikdash. To build the Beis HaMikdash. To find the place of the Beis HaMikdash in David HaMelech's case. But the Heilige Berdichev, the Kedusha Slevis, Chosi says, Imagine a person wins the lottery. And maybe it was before banks, or maybe it was before the time of electronic transfers. So it's not just that they send a transfer to your bank account, but they're going to actually deliver physical goods, gold, silver, the actual value, not just the representative in paper, coins. And so they send truckloads, truckloads, truckloads to drop off the lottery money that you won. The only problem is, is that you happen to live in a tiny flat, I think it's called here, right? Tiny apartment, right off a street, you know, like a mere dira. Anybody knows an Israel how they, right? Just tiny little alleyway and there's nothing. You walk in, there's no, there's no stairs. It's just you walk like into the bedroom, you know, off the street. And so the trucks come and they have nowhere to put anything. You just have nowhere to put it. But he says, if you have a courtyard, if you have a big, nice garden in front of your house, so then they have room and they have space to give you everything they came to give you. Says the Bredichever, in order to be able to access all those lights that we're speaking about and we'll speak a little bit more about that are coming down on Purim, you better make sure you have a courtyard. But how do you get a courtyard? Where do we find space? How can we be sure that when it comes to Purim, we have room for all of that energy that's coming down? Says the tzaddik, go back to the Pasuk. V'gam kolso nafshi. When a Jew longs, when a Jew yearns, looks forward to expectantly. It's not a regular time, a couple of weeks before Purim. It has to be on our mind every second. So then lechatzer is Hashem. That becomes your courtyard. The yearning, the looking forward to, the preparing for, and I don't just mean making sure you have a costume and all of that good stuff and make sure you have what to drink, of course. That's all important, of course, without going, you know, it's obvious without, goes without saying. But an internal preparation of yearning on an internal level, that creates the chatzer, that creates the courtyard. Chazal tell us, Means a person who reads the Megillah backwards doesn't work. It has to be read the Parshish in order. All the chapters, the Prakim. Baruch Meshbitzer said, and I saw from the from the Gruff, from the Vilna Gain as well, same thing. That Hakoira Megillah Lemafreya, a person who reads the Megillah story, the Purim story, as if Lemafreya, and if it happened, you know, some somewhere thousands of years ago, Lemafreya, just you know, backwards in history, it has nothing to do with me personally, Layatza. Of course, legally, on a halachic level, you fulfill your obligation. But you didn't experience Purim. It's not a commemoration. Somebody once came to Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky. And he said to him, I feel like Yiddishkeit is choking me. Anybody ever get that sense? Don't like to admit it. But sometimes we feel like it's a little bit, it's a little bit much. A little bit choking, it's a little bit restrictive. And he says, I don't know how to break out of that feeling. 
of wanting to break out of what I perceive to be something heavy, too heavy for me to carry all the time. The tzaddik said like this, listen to this. By most yid, and I think today it's like pretty widespread, but the minute gets to do an upshare at age three. Kid grows out his hair, and at age three, we cut his hair, leave him payas, some sort. And he gets this tzitzis and yarmulke. He says, generally, three-year-olds are pretty tiny, and they get a tiny pair of tzitzis. He says, as the kid gets older and older and grows bigger and bigger, the parents have to update that pair of tzitzis, right? He says, if you have a 20-year-old or an 18-year-old, a 17-year-old, 16-year-old, the ages that we are, who's still wearing the same pair of tzitzis that he got by his upsharon, it's going to feel like it's choking him. And he said something very strong. He said, most of us still have the Yiddishkeit we got when we were four or five. Never grew with us, and never updated, and never upgraded. Perm's the same, Pesach's the same, Sukkah's the same, Parashiyas are the same, Tefillin's the same, Tzitzah's the same, Shabbos the same, Limanat Torah the same. If we don't upgrade the way that we experience these Chagim every year, like Rosh Shimshampinka says, yeah, it looks like you're going around and around, but it's a slinky. They call it a slinky here? Yeah, it goes up and it goes up. Yeah, it's going around. But every year it has to be experienced on a higher level, on a loftier level. If that doesn't happen for you, Yiddishkeit's going to feel like it's choking you. And that's on you to do. You're adults. Don't outsource your education. Not at this stage in life. It's your responsibility. And in, a, in, in exact accordance with how much you're going to invest, that's how much you'll get out. That's all there is to it. That's all there is to it. Make sure that every year Purim is a different Purim. Every year Pesach is not the same Pesach. Oh, the Starim, you know, the Seder, all the, all the mitzvahs and eating matzah and chametz, everything that we know already from all the years past, just, you know, reviewing the sugya to refresh. It's got to be more exalted. It's got to be more exalted. Because, listen to this, if all Yiddishkeit is is a collection of actions, then you can pretty much have it down pat and there's not much more room to move. It's like, okay, we know the halachos about matzah. You know, that's, that's pretty, you, can, you can just review them. You can read them. Okay, going through the sukkah might take time. Learning sach and bi'in and so on and so forth. Which you'll do, Ezra Hashem, and you'll review that sukkah. But it's still pretty limited. There are defined parameters for what that action is. But if we understand that the action of Yiddishkeit is a body to the soul of what we're meant to be experiencing when we eat matzah, what the soul of the Seder is, well, the infinite depth and meaning of every single tiny inflection and nuance of the Haggadah is, for example, I'm speaking about Pesach, Purim, right? What the Suda of Purim is, or the Mitzvah of Chayv Inishlub Sumi B'Puriya, and Shalachmanas, Matanis Lavyoinim, what dressing up is, all the different Menhagim. What the Megillah is, what Haman is, Achashverish. If that's something that's Kashur to soul, that's bound up with a feeling, with an experience, with a perception, so then it's infinitely deep. It's infinitely deep. It's a limited container in the sense of having its parameters. Here's where it starts, here's where it ends. But downward depth has no parameters. Rechava mitzvah says. Well, the mitzvahs are rechava, they're wide. They're wide, wide as anything. So for a few minutes now, and then we'll sing more, I promise. 
I want to touch upon one tiny sugya, just to open up Rashi Prakam. I wish I had a thousand years with you to really start to get into some of these things. And I'm sure you'll do it on your own, and I'm sure you're already doing it. All this is a reminder to myself, Nachas Hashem, to suggest that you're not. We're all in this together, and we're all trying. I'm primarily speaking to myself. But to try to touch on one cluster of ideas. Hashem's help. The miracle of Purim, the nace of Purim, is Mechias Amalek. It's the destruction, the eradication of this force called Amalek. <coughs> Haman is Agagi, comes from Agag, traces its roots back to Amalek, and he's Amalek incarnate in that generation. Now, on the level of Guf that we were mentioning before, the parameters of Amalek are limited. There are halachas about what Amalek is, what Amalek's not. How do you identify it? Does Amalek exist today? Machloikis, Rishonim, Achroinim, it's a big sugya. It's, it's limited. The parameters of that are limited. But going beyond the surface, Amalek has nothing to do with the nation. And it has nothing to do with my individual struggle as to whether or not I think I'd be able to pull out a gun and shoot a stranger in the head just because the Torah told me to. It goes beyond that. Because all the tzaddikim say, the deeper tzaddikim teach, that Amalek is a mindset. Amalek is an inner feeling, a force within. And it becomes eminently relevant to you and me when Amalek is encapsulated inside as something inside, internal, that we have shaykhs to, that we have some connection with today, here, now. So what is this Amalek? What is this experience of an inner force that we're sent to this world as the Jewish nation to try to overcome, to try to eradicate, to forget, and at the same time to remember, to remember to forget? It's self a paradox. Zachar, right? To wipe out Amalek. Mochetimcha. Amalek Chevra is Gematria. Which word? What's that? 240. What's a Gematria? Suffolk. Excellent. Suffolk. Suffolk is doubt. Suffolk is doubt. The Pasik says that Am Yisrael began to wander on the journey to Har Sinai out of Mitzrayim, a nation that's filled with hope. To wander after our Kodesh Baruch into an unsown land. To rely completely and entirely on him. No planning, no ishtadlas. They begin to wonder, Is Hashem with us? Or has he forsaken us? What's the very next pasuk, next two words? Amalek arrives. Because Amalek is bound up with that kushya. Amalek is bound up with that struggle. When we begin to feel as if we're forsaken in life and we're not quite sure if there's a force that's accompanying us. And sometimes it's clearer than day. And sometimes we genuinely have a hard time believing in that. And that's okay. It's embedded within us to have that experience. Doubt is also part of faith. 
Amalek is Suffolk. Chazal asked Haman menatar minayin. Where does Haman come from? Anybody remember? What pasuk is Haman rooted in? Hamina Eitz. Hamina Eitz. HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes to Adam and Chav and says, Did you eat from the tree that I told you not to eat from? Haman is rooted in the tree of good and evil, of Tov and Ra. Before Adam and Chava eat from the tree of good and evil, it was clear to them that there's a God who created the world and put Adam Rishon in the Gan, La Abdul Rashi says, Adam Ayin Lavaris Adama, there was nobody to pray. The human being is a prayer, he's one who prays. In Tevotun Bone, the Mazik Adam, those who learn Babakama, is rooted in the Pasik about prayer, that's how we know what Mava is, right? It's Adam. Because he prays. And everything was clear. But then all of a sudden, this nachash comes, this essentially external force approaches, and it starts to bring a little bit of that venomous suffolk, that venomous doubt into the consciousness of man. Hamina eats. Is God afraid that if you eat from the tree, you'll become like him? Is that really why he doesn't want you to eat from it? What is God and what is man? Can man become God? Is the God that we thought we knew really the God that we thought? Or is it something else? When a Kodesh Baruch who confronts Chava, what does she say? She says, Hanachas, Hanachas Hishiani. Well, the snake tricked me. Ba'aychal and I ate. But Tzadikim teach that the word Hishiani contains two words in it. Hayesh and Ayin. Same letters. Hayesh and Ayin. From the Pasuk that says, Hayesh Hashem Bekerbenu im Ayin vayavay Amalek. Because this, the, the very essence and the source and the shurish and the root of this force of Amalek is going to be rooted in the trickery of the snake. Hayesh Hashem Bekerbenu im Ayin. Is God with us? Is God not with us? Hanachash Hishiyani. The same letters as Hayesh and Ayin, the two sides of that suffix, of that doubt, Gematria Malik. What's Adam Rishon's punishment? What's the repercussion of Adam Rishon's action? Koitz vidardar tatzmiachlach. Thorns and thistles will sprout for you. You're going to be working, it's not going to be so easy anymore. Life is going to be difficult. Pregnancy is going to be tough. The taste of the tree is no longer going to be like the taste of the fruit. All of these things, by the way, they're getting to the omic of it now, we don't have time. All of these things parallel one another, essentially, or Cook teaches, and it's how they can teach that at the root, it's all the same thing. It means to say that the process won't be as sweet as the goal. Pregnancy is very, very difficult. Ah, but the birth of a child is the biggest, biggest light in the world. The tree is the process vis-a-vis the goal of the fruits. The taste of the tree is not going to be like the taste of the fruits. And trying to cultivate a crop is going to engender much difficulty. It's all the same thing. It's so deep. It's so deep. And I'm, I'm so privileged that you're here with me now. I really am. I really appreciate it. I appreciate each and every one of you for being here. It's unbelievable. There are two psukim with this will come to an end. Listen to this. 
One Pasik says, Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekeinu Hashem Echad. God is one. The proclamation of our faith. I could speak to you now about that Pasuk for a thousand years. Believe, believe Guzma without exaggeration. And we say it every day. We rattle it off. Do you know how many sodos are in every letter? And every kutza shaliyud and every tiny little dot on top of every letter, the tagin and the oisiyas and the pshat, the remez, the drush, the sod you'll have to go to uh, the other shir for. But the pshat and the remez, at least over here we're doing practical remez, right? It's unbelievable what this pasuk is. Yichudi Allah, Yichudi Tatas. I bless you. I bless me that we should mamish explore the depth of our Torah. Hashem Echad is one pasuk, but then the other pasuk says you should not bow down to what's referred to as El Acher, a foreign god, a strange god. Listen to this. What's the difference? I apologize, you're behind me, kid. What's the difference between the word Acher? And the word echod. What's the difference? A dalid and a resh. Let's go deeper. What's the difference between a dalid and a resh? Because those two letters are pretty similar. The dan. Which dan? It sticks out in the back of the dalid. The resh is a curve. And the dalid has what's referred to in the svarim as a koitz. Which means a thorn. That's how they refer to that little piece. You say a dot. It's called a koitz. It's a thorn. Crazily enough, the difference in gematria, crazy, between the letter dalid and the letter resh is the word koitz. It's 196. It's a pella. Four is the difference between the dalid and the resh. And that's koitz. It's the word koitz. So it's not only the physical difference, it's actually the numerical difference between 200 and four. That's the distinction between these two letters. And I dare say that it's a pretty important distinction because if you get this one wrong, that tiny little mashu, chametz aser b'mashu, that tiny little bit, that's the destruction of Yiddishkeit. It's the difference between Hashem Echad and the possibility, obviously, of there being an Elzar, an Elacher, a different, a different, can't even say, with a lowercase g in quotation marks, God, right? What does Amalek do? Oh, this will end. We'll sing a little bit more, don't worry. Amalek comes to blur that little thorn. Because he's the suffix. And he comes to have us start to wonder, is it Hashem Echad or is it El Acher? Hashem Echad or El Acher? The Dalit or the Resh? Say the Tzaddik, the Barishchai, the Benachman hints to this. Many of the Tzaddikim say the same thing here. But this was the repercussion of Adam's eating from the eights where Haman is rooted. Hashem tells Adam, Vikoitz, you've done something that's going to impact the kites, this little thorn, the distinction between the Dalit and the Reish, and therefore, Vidardar Tatsmiachlach. What's the word Dardar? Literally means thistles. But it's the Dalit and the Reish. The Dalit and the Reish. Vidardar. You're going to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. The Pasuk says, Ki yod al kes ka, HaKadosh Baruch Hu swears, Milchama l'Hashem ba'amalek midar dar. It's with Adavav. It's the word dar dar. That's the battle that Hashem has with Amalek. Adar, of course, is when the light of the Aleph 
which is representative of a Kodesh Baruch who is called the Aluf Hoshel Olam, the chief of the world, comes down into the Dar. Aleph Dar is Adar. That's the light of Hashem that's able to come down and bring us to a place on Purim of Ad Deloyoda, beyond the Eitz Hadas Toivira. Ad Deloyoda. You transcend that place of the Eitz Hadas. You get out of the struggle. All of a sudden, the world makes sense because it doesn't make sense. And the world is shaking with a transcendent laughter of Yitzchak, without getting into the details now, of an Olam Haba, of Olam Hafach, or Isi, of the dissonance. Of realizing that everything that I think is one way is really the opposite. And those that I think are on the bottom or on the top, it's a little bit of a taste of Shabbos, which is Me'in Olam Haba, which is an Olam Hafuch, which is why by Boye B'Shalem, the whole shul turns around and those schleppers that came super late, like myself to Shachras this morning, Baruch Hashem, who are sitting all the way in the back row, are all of a sudden in the front. Because Shabbos is a little bit of a Me'in Olam Haba, and that's exactly what Purim is, I bless us to transcend, to transcend, to move beyond, to drink on Purim in a way of Kedusha and Tara, in a way not that leads to Leitzanus and Shtuyot, but to the truly enjoyable sense of being able to bask in the presence of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, in the presence of the Hashem that we contain within ourselves, Nichnas Yayin, Yatzasod, the deepest secret of who we are comes out, the deepest secret of creation comes out, the deepest secret of another Jew comes out, I bless us with an exalted Purim. Bezer Hashem L'chaim. Mamish exalted. Okay, we'll do two more and then go to...